Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Inspect. In this week's episode, I'll be talking about CSS Grid and also some of the latest updates that have been coming out of Apple recently. But first, a bit of follow-up. In last week's show, if you stuck around after the outro music, you would have heard myself and Les completely ramble on about Star Wars and uh, a complete sort of lack of knowledge about the subject. So, um, so this week I spent a couple of evenings just catching up on all the movies that I hadn't seen. So I'd originally seen episode 4, 5 and 6, the original trilogy. I saw those quite a few years ago and um, was never really a huge fan of them. I thought they were okay, but they didn't really make me want to rush out and watch the rest of the movies when they were coming out over the last few years. Um, but I thought, you know, this is a good time for me to catch up. And um, so yeah, after watching the rest of the episodes, I, uh, I really enjoyed the whole, the whole set. Uh, even episodes 1, 2 and 3, which I know a lot of people do say aren't very good and not really worth watching. But um, I thought overall, you know, they were decent films. So I watched episodes 1, 2, 3, 7 and Rogue One, all in that order. So I'm all caught up now. And um, I went on Twitter and I wrote a series of tweets with my thoughts. Um, you know, things that I liked, things that I didn't, questions that are still remained in my head. So uh, yeah, I'll put, a, I'll put a link to that in the show notes so you can have a read and chime in and answer some of my questions if you've got any of the answers. So also in last week's show, we were talking about personal portfolios and Dan Petty, a couple of days later, Dan Petty was on Twitter and he had a bit of a Twitter storm about portfolio sites and how people aren't really using them to their full potential. So he's been doing a lot of recruiting recently, so he's been sifting through a lot of portfolios, trying to find good content and uh, good designers. But one of the one of the gripes he had is that people are using sort of valuable real estate on their sites and filling it with oversized images or big bold headings or just graphical elements which aren't really adding any real value and how you would prefer it to just be a much simpler way to find your content. And uh, yeah, this this follows on quite nicely from what we were talking about last week where people are using, you know moving their content to third-party sites and it's making it harder for recruiters to look at your portfolio and find your content. So um, yeah, it's an interesting read and there were some mixed opinions as, as there always are on Twitter. Uh, but I think overall, you know, the message was quite, quite an important one and um, it's something to definitely consider if you are updating your personal portfolio and you are trying to use it as a recruitment tool as well. So now on to today's main topic, which is CSS Grid. So Grid is a powerful new layout system available in CSS and it allows content to be displayed in flexible, responsive layouts which haven't really been possible with any of the previous layout systems. The key here is responsive. So Grid is responsive by default and it massively reduces the amount of code that needs to be written to create responsive and fairly complex layouts. Um, and the beauty of it is, is that it allows you to visually change the display of your elements without having to change the order of them in your source code. Now, as of March, Grid is now fully supported in the latest versions of Chrome, Firefox, Safari, and Opera. And IE 11 and Edge have got partial support at the moment, which isn't 100% aligned with the official spec of Grid. But the Microsoft Edge developer team have tweeted recently saying that they are working on a proper implementation of Grid in the next version of the browser. So hopefully that should be out soon. So a little bit about the Grid. So there's two main parts to Grid. There's the grid container, which is the parent element, which wraps around all the grid items, which are the direct children of the grid container. So grid also introduces grid lines, which are 
the lines either side of a grid item and those can be used to position grid items at very specific lo locations in the grid so grid items don't all have to be adjacent to each other and in sequence they can be moved uh, anywhere within the grid container based on kind of like coordinate values of the grid lines and then the space that is left between grid lines is known as the grid track so that can be either vertical or horizontal to create columns and rows and um, so the grid track is one of the most useful features of the grid and it's probably one of the thing that you'll use the most by um, defining how many grid items are available on a grid track for example a grid cell is a, a single unit within the grid so this isn't the same as a grid item because a grid item can actually span across multiple grid cells whereas a, a grid cell is kind of like a single unit of a grid and finally you've got a grid area which is basically a collection of grid cells both horizontally and vertically so you can create a like a two two by three or four by four grid area so you can lay out content over a, over a larger area and uh, make it take up more space uh, within the, the overall grid container and the beauty of that is when you've got a grid area all the rest of the grid cells uh, and grid items they will float around that area even though it is it's to fill the rest of the space and they will use the rest of the space that is available to them. So it's a little bit hard to explain what grid can do over, over audio. So um, if you look at the show notes at inspect.fm, I'll put a few links to some good examples on there. So the first one is a website called Grid by Example by Rachel Andrew. Now this is quite an in-depth guide to what is possible with grid and it's got a lot of well-explained examples. And Rachel Andrew's also got quite a few videos on YouTube explaining uh, the ins and outs of grid as well so it's definitely worth watching those secondly there's a, an article by chris house on css tricks called the complete guide to grid again this is quite an in-depth guide uh, it's one of those sites that you definitely want to bookmark it was similar to the flexbox guide that was on css tricks when flexbox was first released and uh, it tells you about all the terminology and explains which properties are available on the parent and the child elements so definitely one worth bookmarking and then also, if you want to see some more sort of interesting experiments with the grid, then you should check out the labs section on Jen Simmons' website. Now, what she's done is she's created various experiments with the, with grid, such as different card layouts. Uh, she's created a Monopoly board, and she's created like even some responsive Mondrian-style art um, and various other bits and bobs. So she's really been playing around with some more, more sort of experimental features that grid can allow you to achieve. Now, I've been experimenting with Grid as well on CodePen with some of the basics, just getting my head around how it all works. And um, one of my favorite features is Grid template areas. So again, it's a bit hard to explain without visuals, but essentially what it allows you to do is assign names to each of your grid areas and then use those names to create a, a visual representation of how the areas should be laid out. Um, I'll put a link to my pen in the show notes, so have a look in there and hopefully it should be fairly self-explanatory. Uh, but yeah, it's a great way of laying out the overall structure of your content, so such as the header, the sidebar, content and footer areas, which generally don't uh, change drastically and are fairly static. So yeah, I recommend that you update your browsers to the latest versions, start experimenting with CSS grids if you haven't done so already, have a look at some of the examples in the show notes that I've left, and um, yeah, let me know what you create. So you can tweet me examples at inspect.fm or have a look on the website inspect.fm for other ways of getting in touch as well. 
So the second thing I'd like to talk about is Apple and some of the announcements they've made over the past few weeks. First, we have the iPhone 7, which is now available in product red, uh, which is a red-backed iPhone 7 with a white front, which looks nice. I mean, some people aren't too happy with the way it looks and wish that it was released with a black uh, front, same as the jet black iPhone. So I've seen a few mock-ups which do look nice, but uh, also came across a YouTube video by Danny Wingo, where he takes a product red iPhone and a jet black iPhone, takes them both apart and swaps the parts around to create this red and black phone, which everyone is um, everyone is wishing for. So yeah, it definitely looks nice, but um, it is a high price to pay for what is essentially just a cosmetic upgrade. But then, you know, this is Apple and people do do crazy things when it comes to Apple products. But um, yeah, have a look, have a look at the video and let me know what you think. He does say that everything is working fine, but the phone is not, the seal of the phone isn't perfect now. So uh, some of the waterproofing is, is not as, as good as it should be. But, you know, it's an experiment and uh, he's made it work. So some people I'm sure will enjoy it. So Apple also recently released a new iPad, which they're simply just calling iPad. Now, this is probably an attempt to simplify the lineup, which was getting a bit confusing with all the various models. So now the the new iPad has replaced the iPad Air, and the full lineup is now the 12.9-inch iPad Pro, the 9.7-inch iPad Pro, the new iPad, and the iPad Mini 4. Now, it's a bit strange that the iPad Mini still has a version number on the end, but... That's probably something they'll scrap in the next version as well, uh, so that everything's just got a very sort of short and concise name. So this new iPad is now the cheapest in the lineup and starts at £339, which is still £80 cheaper than the iPad mini, which is £419 in the UK. Of course, it doesn't quite match up to the specs of the Pro models, but this would be a good replacement for, say, one of the older iPads, which weren't able to upgrade to iOS 10 and didn't have some of the latest features, such as... Touch ID, um, which is available on all the current models now. So I recently just sold my iPad 3, which was capped at iOS 9, uh, 9.4, I believe. So um, I couldn't make use of any of the newer features that are available in iOS 10. So this would be quite a good replacement for the likes of me, who, who had an old model and couldn't update any further and couldn't really make use of the features that iPad brings. And finally, this week, Apple also announced that they're going to be completely rethinking the Mac Pro and also getting back into the display business. Now, they haven't said when this is going to be happening. They've just said that it's not going to be this year. So whether that's going to be next year or the year after still remains to be seen. It's been over three years since the Mac Pro was released, and there hasn't been a spec update since then. So in conjunction with this announcement, they've also given the current model a slight bump in spec in terms of CPU and GPU. Nothing major, no design changes, but it is now officially a, a new model. Uh, so... You know, if someone does want to update, they, this is probably the best time to do it. So Apple made this announcement at a roundtable in their Cupertino offices with a few select journalists, one of which was John Gruber from Daring Fireball. So John's written quite a detailed article about what was discussed at this meeting. He outlines the updates that the current model has had, and it also goes into details of some of the difficulties that Apple were having with updating the current model to use some newer components. But yeah, it's uh, definitely worth a read and uh, it quotes Phil Schiller as well, word for word, uh, about what he said at the meeting. So it's definitely worth a read. If you want to know a little bit more granular information about the Mac and Apple in general, I recommend listening to the Accidental Tech podcast, which is available at atp.fm. 
the guys who host that show they talk about apple all the time and they go into a lot of depth so it's uh yeah if you're if you're interested in everything apple then i would definitely recommend that show okay so as usual all the show notes and links from this episode can be found at inspect.fm if you enjoyed the show please share it with a friend leave us a review or rating on itunes um ratings do help the show become more discoverable on the itunes store so that would really help if you have any feedback or questions you can get in touch via twitter at inspectfm or you can email me on inspectfm at gmail.com and thanks for listening and i'll catch you in the next show Thank you.